The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, baby? Welcome to episode number 302 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by Oscar-nominated Nick Pollock. Nick, what is up? What is happening? I don't. I literally don't know. What is? What is happening? Nick, the Oscar nominate. I, 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 Nick and I usually we talk a little bit before. I just came off a long yeah. day of work, sat in traffic on the one thirty four for thirty minutes, and I said, oh, "You know what oh, I want to do?" Okay, you've been in California for a month, and you're like, "Yeah, I was on the one thirty four going up." <laughs> I, oh, I the, no. that, that dumb skit from SNL is yeah. correct. That's not what oh people are here God. to talk about. They want to know what your <laughs> Oscar predictions are, Nick. You said you wanted to do an Oscar podcast. Which of the best films do you think is going to win? Best okay, picture, first, of all, first of all, I had no idea that the Oscars were soon. Okay, great. The nominations it, came out it, this week. Is it Sunday? When no, 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 no. I don't think it's I don't think it's until March. Why are we talking about okay? Okay. Because the nominations, the nominations came out. Okay. March so 27th. What's my prediction for what? For best picture. Uh-huh. What, who's going to win? is if I know. You know what? You said you saw all the films. You said you yes, saw all the films. Totally. All right. I, I'll give you the nominees. You tell me who you. wins based off your favorite name. <laughs> West Side Story, Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, Dune, Drive My Car, Don't Look Up, Coda, and Belfast. I want it to be Dune. Great. Done. Dune wins Best Picture, according to Nick. I'm going to give it to Licorice Pizza. Yeah, that's don't what I was come gonna at say. me. That's what everyone's going to do is Licorice It's a great movie. Love P.T. Anderson. Don't look up as a farce. Terrible movie. I watched Nightmare Alley last night. I just don't. I, I can't get on board the Guillermo del Toro train. Loved Pan's Labyrinth. Everything else didn't love Shape of Water. It is what it is. All right, we could talk about movies all day. That's not what we're here to talk about. That <laughs> wasn't even talk the about biggest thing. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that wasn't even the biggest thing to happen this week. Okay. No, it wasn't was the Oscar snubs. It wasn't the noms. It was no. PL7, baby. Yeah. It's here. The it's player here. pages we've been talking about, they're in your face. They're ready to go. There's red bars. There's blue bars. There's <laughs> numbers. There are stats. Nick, how are you feeling? You streamed for 18 hours yesterday. Oh, man. I love this so much. Guys, you realize I forced fast to have coffee before podcasts like an, a year ago, and it's the best manager decision I've ever made in my life. I mainlined it today, baby. <laughs> because good i'm like exhasted still i, I slept I for a while and 
Yeah, I it's okay. All right, let's do this. Uh, PL7's here. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we are we're really excited to also do the 7.1 update, which is going to be in early March, which will be the arrival of our PL projections, the auction draft calculator. Um, the leaderboard as well being the proper replication of the player pages. So you can actually look up all the sinkers and realize that, yeah, Zach Wheeler is pretty dang good with that O-swing. I'm still Still? Nick, get over it. It's unbelievable. Why? Why would I ever get over this? Why would I ever get over this? Zach Wheeler's sinker part two. O-swing. The O-swing of the sinker. Uh, Unbelievable. But yeah, it's um, it, it, it's really cool. I mean, there are things also on the player page, like we want rolling charts. We have, you know, that is coming as well, as well as a line chart for everything. Um, And, you know, we are we're fine-tuning a little things here and there, too. So I... I love you. Uh, what? I what, love what do you. I do? What do I do? No, it just cracks me up. I like, try to come in with all this energy, and you're like... We got these new line charts. Okay, fine. Coming. They are so good. <laughs> they are so good. We designed them to look beautiful. Okay, yes, you just do. have one of them. It's That's on the page right there. It's easy to use. All of that stuff. I can't wait is- for those to be there. You can be like, huh, extension of somebody or their, uh, what, over time, oh, wow, it's gone lower or higher over the last 20 games. It's all rolling charts, too. So it's all your stuff for Love hitters. It. You have it with StatCast data, which is amazing. It's gonna be such an who is that I see on my tool. level? Who's that I see on my level now? I think that's oh, Nick Pollock. I think he's I on know. my level now. I don't know I if think I we am, got him though. though. No, uh, I think the, we got him there. Now you want? There's another thing that happened this week that we didn't actually document with okay. the PL7 uh, launch, and it's a big one. It's it's something that I haven't at all talked about, and I have to do it more. We're gonna do it for the next couple podcasts to remind all you, all y'all, all you all. Okay, <laughs> guys. We have now two separate podcast feeds, okay? Mm-hmm. There is this one. This is the Pitcherless Fantasy Baseball feed. Or, hey, if you're really awesome, you're listening to it on the on the corner main feed. But this is the one that has all your fantasy baseball stuff. We created another feed. It's called the P- Pitcherless Baseball Podcasts, okay? The future Nick and Alex baseball show that you heard at PitchCon mm-hmm. will be there. But yeah. all of the podcasts that you know that have been on this feed this offseason, like Short Hops and Tall Tales, the baseball history podcast that everyone needs to listen to, uh, my Nick Pollock and friends, uh, stuff like that is going to be only on that feed. You will not find it here because those are not fantasy baseball podcasts. We did it. So if you are missing those and you should be, go sub to that one just type into pitcher list into apple spotify whatever it's there you're gonna see this lovely baseball with the headphones on it all right go sub to that now that there we had go. now that we've had the principal come on stage and give us all the boring announcements <laughs> we're gonna get <laughs> we're, no i'm kidding that is very I important this. i hope people Why like can we do every podcast like this this is the yeah. best don't I, because i would burn out nick you understand no, you me wouldn't. i can't do this all the time once a uh, week what twice a week twice well, a week will be not yet oh yeah well now yeah. Oh yeah, right we're now, two that? episodes. We're giving you two episodes of on the corner mean? every week. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I want to. We're gonna today. We're gonna be. Ta- we're, this is gonna be a forty minute. Okay, you said yeah, it. I'm, it I, is. Yeah, you're, this is why you're going this fast. You're like I got things to do. Chris will be well, upset at me. Well, yeah, that's one reason too. Because yeah. baby, I'm <laughs> I'm skating on thin ice. I just brought home a, a big thing. A, a, I just brought home a box of grapefruit, and let's just say she wasn't happy. A box um, of grapefruit. <laughs> someone at the office was like, someone gave me all these grapefruit, and I was like, I'll take them. Not a good choice. What? Gotta bring them back to the office tomorrow. That's just California, man. You just get boxes of fruit, boxes of citrus. That's the name of the episode. Box of citrus. <laughs> um, we're gonna be talking about Nick's 
top 20, not top 20. Yes. You're going to talk about pick, picture okay. number 11 through 20. If you're saying, hey, yeah. wait a minute, you dinguses, what happened to 1 through 10? We did that one on Monday. Go it check great. it out. Go listen to it. It was great. We're, it's getting more It's getting a little, It's getting get more fun each week. It's getting a little more fun now yeah. because we're getting into like there's a little more room for opinions, right? I mean, the top 10, it makes sense. It's just about kind of priorities. Now we're getting a little messier, right? Mm. We're getting a little messier. I so mean, let's just jump on yeah. in and get let's a little it. messy. Let's jump on. Yeah, let's, you know the Miss Frizzle method: take chances, make mistakes, get messy. Take, take chance. Exactly, exactly. That's, Number eleven. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people might have been shocked that this dude was not in your top ten, mm. and that is Shane Bieber. So walk me through a little bit about why you're thinking Bieber at eleven. So I understand fifth last year in swing strike rate across all pitchers at 17.5%, which I can do on our player pages. And that's an amazing thing to be able to say. Mm -hmm. Um, Third in CSW at 35%. All these things were great, but then he got injured. Of course, you guys know this. Uh, There's also questions of the sticky stuff being uh, a major reason why he was having the success. He also had a bad fastball in that time too. He had a 122 whip which I I don't know if that's necessarily going to go away. His fastball command wasn't very good for those couple months. Then he came back. And this is the thing that I don't know how to stand, but I have to acknowledge that this is something that you all should be aware of and at least add into the weights that you're using for Bieber is that he came back and yeah, there's no spring training. So he didn't have any rehab. So theoretically the two starts that he had at the end of, you know, September, early October, no spring training. No, no. Starts. I'm sorry. No spring training. No minor leagues. I apologize. Yeah, Thank yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to go so fast to match you that I will say bad things. So you already said I don't know how to stand, oh, no. which cracks me up. Uh, that's great. I don't know how to stand. Oh, no, I don't know <laughs> yeah. where I stand. I don't know where I'm. No, you didn't say that. You just said I don't yeah. know how to stand. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. I'm just. I'm just in a fetal position on the ground with a mic to my face. Beaver. How <laughs> do I do? I lean on my hip. Okay. Um, that with, that's a great <laughs> new soundbite too. The one you just made. <laughs> I am going to continue. Bieber was at 91 miles per hour all of a sudden with this fastball, which was three ticks lower than his 94 that we normally see in his peak. Okay, now 93 is what we normally see. It was like 92 to 93. This was like 91, uh, like on the dot in that last one. And you could say, oh no, he was just doing his rehab starts, so he was just easing into it or not. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we saw him at 93 at the beginning of the year, really. And then it did get a little bit lower to 92, but that was leading up to the injury. Um, rotator cuff stuff, which isn't good. I'm I'm spooked. And I what I saw in those two games I of three innings each, it was about like 80 innings or so, were, yeah, just Bieber not having fastball command. His breaking stuff was bad. I did a, a video breakdown. You should definitely check it out. I'll link to it inside of the article. Uh, watching his final game, I believe, and it is hard. It is a painful three innings. Even though he actually gets through it and it's technically fine on the box line or the box score, it's not fun. So he's at 11. I understand the ceiling of this. I mean, as I mentioned before, like amazing strikeout rates and you know, eighth in strikeout rates and fifth in swing strike rate and third in CSW, right? But yeah. Dang, man, this is scary. And there's no guarantee that when he, let's say he is doing well, well, that whip was 122, wasn't 102 or so. The fastball was a liability. And before the injury, we we're like, hey, how would we feel about Bieber? So I think 11 in some ways is generous. And well, well, okay. I, I think that the guys, other guys in the top 10 are better and safer. We started doing something last week or Monday that I actually really enjoyed where it was like, this is the decision that 
you as someone drafting a team need to make. If you are concerned about, obviously some people look to fantasy analysts to make particular decisions for them or to inform them, but I kind of like encapsulating and like, like, if you're worried about the command, then 11 or lower is where you should be trying to get Bieber. If you think, hey, that was just a six inning blip and he's probably going to be fine, then you can bump him up. Is that yeah, a safe assessment? Up, yeah, they can put him up to like eight. If you want, yeah, because I, I, I would per- much rather I would rather have Sandy. I'm such a set Sandy stand, as you guys know. So, I mean, if you want to if you want to say Robbie Ray comes to his own risk, I'd rather have Bieber. That's totally fine with me. Yeah, uh, I have him in tears because I feel that a the whip, you know, the fastball wasn't that great in the first half before he got injured. And B, then I'm being spooked. So there are like I feel like there are two significant warts that put me in, in the other tier for Bieber. I, I personally am probably not as worried um i i I don't know i i just think i'm not really willing to look into the three innings quite so much i mean you already mentioned the box score thing i still just think that the six yeah sorry two three inning appearances that's double what you just said that's true it's double the appearances (laughs) which he still had one run run over six innings i understand you already mentioned that the box score it told it told a different story than what you saw i just think that because they I think they their mentality was we're out of the playoffs. You obviously don't have any starts that you can make in the minor leagues. Just go out there and do what you can. I would be very surprised that the sample size is large enough that if he's healthy, he's going to be doing what he does. If he's not healthy, then fine. Yeah, maybe you could still have those issues. But I think the command just comes with the health and him getting his feet back right. together. I, but what he does is weird because it was. A but he's had success doing it. Well, but the the fastball wasn't that good in the first couple of months, and he allowed a ton of hits because of it. And he's always been one of those questionable hard hit guys. His hard hit per, per, per PA percentage is 25%. By the way, that's what we have on the site. We don't have hard hit per batted ball event. We do hard hit over plate appearances, just way better. Sure. And Alexander Chase has shown that. And we have he was 59th in that. Like, he allows a good amount of hard contact still. I know Robbie but Ray's he's, also there. so He's always done that. And he, He's yeah. always done that, and he's always had success. And what what I'm saying is, like, even well, with that, it's a 3.28 ERA. I'm with and, you there. And- yeah, it's just you know, if you're gonna get like a, a 115 whip from from Bieber all of a sudden, right? That's a that is, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying it's not a guarantee that he's like the 105 whip guy, like a Scherzer thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's all I'm trying to get at. There's a difference there. Yeah, that's a good point. I could see him being. Yeah, I could, all right. Anyway, that's enough about yeah. Shane Bieber. Yeah, you got, you got, um, we move, got to keep going fast. <laughs> we got plenty. We, we got to talk about Kevin Gaussman. So I personally was a little concerned about Gaussman. I didn't have him super high last year. I was wrong about it. Uh, you aptly discuss in the notes, which you should be reading, you being the listener, uh, that uh, the biggest question is potential home run regression, not even just with the ballpark, but with the division. I do think it's worth noting that in the 2020 small sample size, Kevin Gaussman actually had the second worst home run to fly ball rate of his career at, mm-hmm. at 15%. So what's kind of interesting is if you assume that four tick drop, right? If you say, all right, well, let's regress right back to that 15 home run to fly ball ratio, then you would theoretically still have a 3.6 ERA with a 30, 28 to 30% K rate with good command and a relatively yeah. good whip. So I, I think when, this is what I think sometimes happens in the fantasy community. And I, I say this because I know I've done it. Um, we think like, well, there's going to be a regression in this particular thing. And we never really get specific about what that regression means or looks like. Yeah, I think how we just say it goes and stuff. how far yeah. it goes and what it actually concretely means for ratios. Well, and- it's, it's, it's a really tough thing uh, because when something goes bad, it can't, it, it's not as simple as just it being worse. It can be 
like a dam breaking. Um, You're saying that one, to, yeah. As opposed to just, oh no, let's just add five more runs to a zero ray or something. Sure, but I, I guess, yeah, I, I very much agree with that. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is we've seen what home run regression looks like, and it yeah. still is a 3.6 ERA. Right, right, right. Yep. Yeah, because if he if he's all of a sudden four ERA guy, it's a lot more than home runs. It's the splitters gone, and yeah. he's got nothing else. Yeah. By the way, there's a guy that is not inside of this discussion today that I want to talk about now, very briefly. That is someone that I I was treating in October. I had him ranked like thirty something because I think I was over doing exactly that. I was saying there's going to be regression, so I'm. Wait, hold on. Let me guess. Really far. Yeah. So this is a guy who's now a little bit higher. He's probably in like the yes, 20s, right? He sure is. Um, okay. I'm going to go ahead and guess that it is either Darvish or Montas. No, Montas. No, no. no it, it's, it's Logan Webb. I... Oh, I was, that was the first one. All right. Fine. That was... now he's a 21 now, isn't he? Well, yeah, right. Everyone will expect Logan Webb in the, in the 20s. I uh, we'll talk about him in the next podcast, but essentially there is a gr obviously regression expected. The question is how to treat that to the future numbers, right? How yeah. it will impact him? It's easier, I think, with Gaussman exactly as you said, because it's like, oh, okay, he's probably going to allow a little more homers. It's a little bit different because you know it is also the Giants' luscious Oracle Park, which yes, not as amazing suppressing stuff against lefties, but still Oracle Park. Mm -hmm. And now you go into the AL Beast with Toronto, but I believe in the heater. The heater is such a good pitch. It's an elite strike pitch, 75% strike rate for two straight years now. It uh, misses bats. I mean, it did come down in its swing strike rate for, to 10.5% from 13, uh, actually to four, from 14, which is not exactly what you wanted. But the splitter, you've got even better. And actually, it's even reinforced this watching um, the pitching ninja um mm. interview with him and logan webb earlier today uh it was it's kind of nuts how he throws his splitter i'm actually in i took the base with the baseline i couldn't do it and i'm in shock that i can't i this is the first time in my life i've ever done a grip and not been able to do it I yeah him, i'm like no i can't replicate this thing and that's crazy is it that in i mean it felt like it was just a thing of like pressure where he was applying no, pressure. but no no but how he's um how gaussman is cramping his pinky ring finger and middle finger together hmm. and then spreading it out it's it's just the weirdest it's the strangest thing to me i just can't like you know internalize this it, yeah it's it's nuts uh like how is this a split then this doesn't but whatever it is he has a feel for it, he has a whole process for it and he's gotten better at doing that and the numbers yeah. show this that gaussman splitter has been more and more consistent over the years and I, I believe in it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say. You guys know me as a, um, as a splitter hater, and I am. I mean, I, I, I you have general rules that you have to listen stop. to. You're not no, a splitter no, no, no. hater. <laughs> That's intense. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Thank you for bringing me into the positive world again. I mm. uh, rare that I need pulling out, but that's why you're you're my boy, Alex. That's why I'll always pull out for you. <laughs> Okay, well, never mind. I take all of it back. <laughs> um, but anyway, with uh, yeah, he was talking about also Kausman, um about how he doesn't throw it as in bullpen um, because he uh, he doesn't want to get these blood blisters. He gets every single start, um, and that does obviously terrify a little bit of like how bad will they be in season and everything. But I guess what I'm getting at ultimately 
the splitter, very inconsistent pitch. Gaussman's the one exception that I will trust. And I don't really see his skill set being any different in Toronto. So, yeah, sure, it won't be a 2-8-1. But he's not going to be like a 4-ERA guy now. No. Like, I see him being like a 3-5, 3-6 with a really good whip and an elite strikeout rate across as long as he can go. So, that's, okay. That's why so, he's my number 12. But this is this then brings me to the next guy on this list. It's Lance Lynn at 13. It's a back-to-back ranking. It doesn't really matter in the ultimate scheme of things. But wouldn't you then say that the floor is actually higher for Lynn? Like, because well, Lynn, he's had a, he's had a mid three ER. He, he, I don't think he's had a, above a three, six in the past three or four years. And he's yeah, had a so, four so ERA there, once. One startling thing that uh, is, is, is making me a, a little scared of Lynn. And by the way, it's kind of funny. 269 ERA last year for Lynn, but it was a way better one uh, before adding us, allowing six third runs. Um, by the end, I mean, I think he had like a two, three, four or something before like the last couple of starts or something nuts like that. Um, but Lynn is throwing fewer innings per start. He's becoming a less efficient pitcher, which I don't love. Mm. He had a 6.5 mm. IPS in 2020 that fell down to 5.6. You don't want to reverse that. That's not good. His pitch counts were 107 and 108 in 2019, 2020. Then Lynn averaged just 93 in 2021. Uh, that's it's just a little scary to me. Um the four-seamer is still really good. 34% CSW is not 17% swing strike rate on it. And the other elements are, you know, they're they're there. <laughs> the cutter fell to a 25% CSW. The the sinker, it's not very good. I don't really know why he throws a 19% of the time. It's a 33% of swing. I take that back. I get it. So you get some surprising weak contact from it. Changeup was really bad. Curveball is not good. At mm-hmm. all, 49, 46% strike rate. So it's really just this fastball that he's dropped now to 40%. It's just, it's it's working. I think it overperformed last year. Um, I don't think fastball strikeout. I think, no, no, no overall. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's he's reducing the fastballs and the cutter, sinker, changeup isn't that incredible to me. I, I, I just see for Lance Lynn that I think age might be getting to him. He's going to be 35 for most of this year. Wasn't as efficient. Wasn't going as long into games. That's why I liked him a lot last year. Entering as I thought he would always go above 100 pitches. Average 93 uh, all of a sudden. I see something similar in the ratios. They're really close, Gaussman and Lynn. They're back-to-back. I have a point for Gaussman in the strikeout territory. And I think there's a little bit higher floor uh, when it comes to the ratios. Uh, With Gaussman? Yes, that's I think I think this it's I think it's kind of scary how it feels like Lynn could fall apart quickly. And I I, I wish I had a better reasoning for why 82 percent left on base rate last year. Um, Yeah, I can't I can't I think it's just because I don't love the secondaries uh, of, of Lance Lynn. It's just a question of how much longer is this fastball going to be at this level? It's curious. I was wondered if like maybe this isn't the way to approach it. I was like, I wonder if maybe this is just indicative of the White Sox wanting to go to their bullpen more often. Um, and they actually had the second fewest reliever innings last year huh. as a team. That's interesting. Um, and the White Sox had the fourth highest uh, uh, starter innings pitch total. Um, so that would theoretically point to Lance Lynn. Again, this isn't a perfect science, but in theory, that would point to Lance Lynn going deeper into games, which, as you mentioned, he didn't. So it's interesting. I wonder if there was injury there, which could point to things falling apart a little bit. Um, that's a good example, too, of uh, not just 
not just looking at past stats, but trying to interpret what the future could theoretically be with Lynn. It's hard. The cutter is such a mysterious pitch to me. I mean, he upped its usage 10 points last year. Uh, Just a 25% CSW. It dropped eight ticks in strike rate to just 62%. And I imagine that's really the reason why he wasn't as efficient um, is he just got fewer strikes with that cutter. The sinker and changeup and curveball, those just don't get strikes for for him. So he's going fastball cutter. And there used to be days of like 50% uh, four seamers uh, and then plus like another 15 of of sinkers. Um, And now it was a high reliance on the cutter that was worse. And maybe there's something new. He just says, screw it. I'm just going to throw more fastballs again, four seamers again and get rid of this cutter. And maybe that solves these issues. But yeah, I don't know. I I just get a sense of maybe Lynn is going to be closer to 2019. 367 ERA, 122 whip than the you know the last uh i guess 100 and sorry 230 innings that we've seen or so 240 from him i don't I, I, maybe it's not founded i mean i have him at 13 so i still think he's gonna be very no, good this is a squabble uh, of yeah 12 yeah. versus 13 I, I, it, he's he hasn't had a woba over 300 on his four seamer since 2018 isn't that cool <laughs> that's unbelievable yeah i mean somebody's talking this out it's like oh just throw more four seamers, Lance Lynn. But that's kind of why I might be more in because we always talk about guys with that foundation. Yeah. And there's that foundation right yeah. there. You know what I mean? If only, if only like Cutter was like better. <laughs> he, but he might not need a guy to be. Who just had a, yeah, like a 2.7 ERA and a 107 whip, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just overreacting. Maybe like I think what happened while I was writing these rankings. And by the way, guys, uh, I'm writing these rankings, and a lot of the times I'm doing them in just delirium because when you write thirty-seven thousand words, it all blurs <laughs> together. Um, for Lynn, I, I think it was just down to the point of oh, he was absurdly good until like the last two starts. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. You know, he allowed six hundred runs on the twenty-fifth, and then he also allowed seven hundred runs on the uh, August twenty-eighth. But like. It was crazy how good his numbers were before for that second to last start. Uh, and I was just like, you know what? Whatever. He'll be fine. Hey, Alex Fast here. And thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PO Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. I, so if he, uh, you got me very curious. Uh, this is actually very interesting. Top curious. wobas, top wobas on fastballs in the past three years. Uh-huh. Okay, With, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. So well, you're having, minimum, you're having a Zach Wheeler sinker moment, aren't you? A minimum a thousand fastballs, but woba, right? So put in play. Over the past three years, sinkers, four seamers combined, just four seamers. Okay, 
Okay, do you want me to include? No, I'm just going to keep it four no, scenes no, no, for I want now. That. That's what I want. Just wanted. To okay, it. I want to know. So Lance Lynn is eighth, which is very good. He's got a 280 woba on his fastball overall for the past three years. Okay, that's not fantastic. That no, wait, wait, Two, it is woba. Well, I'm thinking batting average. Yeah, yeah, woba. Yeah, woba. Right. He he is right. one of sixteen with a sub 300 woba. Mm-hmm. Um, who leads by a considerable margin? Uh huh. The only person to have a sub 250 Woba on his four seamer. Okay. And this is three years of data. Well, you're giving it away by saying it was his four seamer. What do you mean? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Um, so, okay, this this really blows my mind. Who is it? Who is the only person? Three years of data, 1,165 fastballs is this person's sample. Uh huh. And it's the only person to have a Woba under 250. It's a right. 230. You're going to let me Woba. do this like as a spelling bee. Um, can you tell me the usage percentage? The usage percentage 20.2%. So it's only 22.2% usage of four seamers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is since 2018. Since 20, yeah, we're looking at data from uh, 2019, 2020, and 2021. Three years oh, of data. That's... So two and a half years of data. That's fascinating. There's a part of me that wants, there's two guys. I'm thinking like who throws four seamers only 20% of the time that could have success with it. It might, one that's jumping out, which might sound shocking and it's probably so wrong, but it could be like Joe Musgrove. It's not uh, Joe Musgrove. Yeah. I'm, okay. Uh, I mean, I was, you got two more, that's stri- you got, got two it. more strikes. It, it, uh, I think it will be a guy that will yeah. shock you. It would definitely shock him the way he's talked about his fastball. I mean, you Darvish. Mm-mm. One more, because also maybe the cutter is the one that. But no, the, yeah, the the, the four series allowed so many home runs. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. The way that he has talked about his fastball, he throws it at twenty percent of the time. What is the velocity? I think it's like ninety two, ninety three, but I can check. Oh man, I don't think it's very. It's he's not a flamethrower. Ah, no, Tyler Anderson throws too many of them. Average velocity on the pitch. Give me, give me, give me. Yeah, I was right. 39. Uh, 93, excuse me. Division AL West. AL West. You might not be thinking about this guy because this isn't his predominant fastball. I, I, um. Everyone's like, skip ahead 10 seconds. Marco Skip ahead 10 seconds. Huh? Marco Gonzalez. That's the last. I just want to get it over with. Chris Bassett. Oh, duh. Dang it, Nick. I knew that. That's wild. That's no, wild, I, man. This is oh, sorry for Nick, not that's wild. It, everybody. I'm sure. I'm sure many of you were shouting it. This was the discovery I had in like October. Was I completely mm. overlooked Chris Bassett's four seamer because I because our formal former sites had them split up, and I didn't look at how that was a strikeout pitch. So yeah, he of course the whip was going to be low because he uses a lot of two strike counts and then he gets strikeouts and like that. No, no shock to me. Yeah, that's like the that's like the key to Bassett. Like the sinker does not get destroyed, and normally we would look at like a Cleveland Guardians pitcher of oh their secondaries is what they get their outs with, but the quote unquote secondary is the four seamer of Chris Bassett, right? Nick, yeah, we got to speed this that's, up. No, 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 that's <laughs> wild. No, no, that's wild. I mean, that's wild. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Any metric that can show over a three-year sample size that their fastball is better than Jacob DeGrom's, who's second, mm. is bananas. 
I understand well, it's, it's a, a but far it's a bigger second, usage it's, rate. It's some way, it's a secondary pitch. Yeah, if but you, still, if, man, if, you're if talking you about usage, this. like if you made like usage forty percent. Yeah, sure. If you want to say a minimum usage of forty percent, it's Jacob Degrom, and I, there's a I, very I, valid point to make for that. But still. Yeah, a twenty percent usage at a two thirty six woba sustaining that for three years. Is I insane. am curious about like, give me a minimum of like fifteen percent usage of any pitch over over a thousand thrown, and if like compare that to like secondaries because that's kind of how we need to think about Bassett's four seamer. It's like as it's being treated used as like a secondary. a secondary. You know, it's not used as a primary pitch. But it's but it's so weird because it's not if you just say he's throwing his fastball, but then you have to because it, it's a different fastball. Yeah. He treats it like no, no, no. You, you, you are used to. You're getting lulled into some beautiful silence. No, not silence, but somber. No, no, slumber. There's the word. I can do things <laughs> with the sinker. Like, oh yes, it's going to go right here. It's going to go straight down into your barrel, and then it just doesn't <laughs> with a four seamer. It's pretty. Uh, all right, I, I got to move us along. I apologize. Yeah, do. I, I don't know how we got Chris Bassett in this top twenty conversation. You did all of this. I know. Um, all right, another guy that I was kind of curious about in terms of floor. I mean, you're, you're starting to think of him. It seems as uh, Jose Barrios 2.0 because it's an improvement yeah. on Jose Barrios. It's kind of um, funny. And that's Lucas Giolito. Since since Giolito made the change uh, with his arm circle, uh, he's got a 3.48 ERA with a 3.58 FIP and a 1.08 WHIP. Um, his best performance was a 33% K rate in 2019, 3.14% ERA in 2020. Um, so that you could reasonably say is his upside for him. Um, but yeah, it, the 3.48 ERA and 3.58 FIP, everything in the past three years has not strayed far from that average. Yeah, so... Yeah, Giolito is this, all right, I'm not going to be a sub-3 ERA pitcher, but I'm not going to be bad for you, right? That, that's that's why I compare him to Barrios, who's the great undulator. And, uh, Bar- and yeah, Giolito has just found a way to, every year, just figure it out. He'll sometimes have his changeup, sometimes he won't. One cool thing about this past year, I will say, is his slider stepped up. You know, he it uh, it became a major thing uh, last year when t- in terms of swing strike rate, twenty two percent, and you'll see CSW of just oh yeah, it's it's pretty much the same. If actually anything worse, thirty two percent CSW for Giolito slider in twenty twenty, and then about thirty and change in twenty twenty one. However, he threw ten points more strikes, which is huge. Um, got it in the zone ten points more, and that's a game changer. When all of a sudden you're throwing sixty three percent strikes with your slider. Instead of 53, that means you throw it at any count now. You're not just trying to use it as exclusively as an O-swing offering. Um, that really helped Yolito get through the days when, yeah, he just didn't have his changeup at times. And it was really kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, his also his four-seamer dropped from a 14% swing strike rate to a, a 12%, which is still good. It's just not exceptional anymore. I, uh, you know, I mean, a really, really high above average kind of thing that it was. So... You know, and we also had that like weird April where he woke up too early and then he got a cut. Like this whole like narrative. I forgot about starts. that. Yeah, that that's all. Whatever that messed them up a little bit, but it just there's a sense that Giolito is going to be good. He was like a three nine ERA, I think, in like August, and everyone's like, "Oh man, is Giolito still good?" Then he he got all the way back down to three five three. Like, okay, this is fine, and that's why he's just a better version of Barrios to me. I think he's a good – I think I'd bump him up in a Roto League because that consistency is chef's kiss. But I think you want a little bit more upside in a weekly because it'll uh, – you know, it has a chance to win you a week each more well, – each yeah, week. You know yeah, what I, I mean? understand what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I go back on this – back and forth on this a lot. Like 
yes, you, you like the dependability in a roto, but if you always get dependability, you know, if you're not first, you're last kind of thing. And mm. I, I'm certainly of the philosophy of there are so many guys that will surprise you and do super well in fantasy baseball that you constantly want to be chasing the ones that make the huge impacts because there's enough of them to do that. You just got to make sure you get the ones that have the, the probability of doing it or the, the, the opportunity to do it. Giolito, though, I mean, like, he's in my top 15. Like, you're not going to be disappointed having him. I can see myself in leagues where I get Giolito. The thing is, he's going around the same place as, like, Jack Flaherty. Or, sorry, he's going, like, a round or two earlier. And for me, I consider them pretty even. Mm. Uh, so I don't wind up with him but if it's like auction and stuff and they're going at the same price like yeah all right i'm cool with giolito he's great uh it's did it hurt to put aaron nola outside of your top 10 that's funny i i i love the fact that aaron nola is my boy and he'll always be my boy and i'm just so excited to be looking forward to living like every day is nola day it's better than having boyd be it which is mine is it oh i'm sorry it's all right. I love that man. I love that man. Yeah, the day I, I, I will never forget how he ended our interview with like the actual one before I ruined it. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, I was going to say I remember yeah, yeah. where he said like, you know, he was like, yeah, thanks, guys, because he was on, had his like media persona on. And then right after it, he goes, yeah, thanks, guys. You know, because mm. like Matt Boyd returned, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a what a cool guy. Um mm. And uh, I just I hope for a speedy recovery. Hopefully he comes back, finds a slider and dominates and does all the wonderful things. Aaron Nola, he always have his place in my heart um, as the as the first one that was like, please believe me. Um, And Nola, I originally had us on the top 20, you know, in October because he had a four, six, three ERA. I I, got to say, I'm I am surprised that so many are just I don't know, like that's a significant thing. His fly ball rates went up. Um, he, he might surprise you that Aaron Nola, the guy that used to get like 50% ground balls, was 118th last year in ground ball rate. Yeah, that's crazy. That isn't like all luck. Like, oh, the home runs. Yes, but if you're allowing a lot more fly balls, it might surprise you he had a lower fly home over fly ball rate last year than in 2020. But he allowed <laughs> more fly balls. That's a, completely- That seems like a change. Well, it seems like he went, you know, he wasn't as effective as he normally is. I'm not, I don't think that that is going to be the constant element. And there are other problems, you know, 67% left on base rate is a huge issue. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't expect necessarily that the 308 Babbitt, but then again, like it was an expected 305 Babbitt. So yeah, we have expected stats on our player pages, guys. You should be using them. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a 21% home run fly ball rate in 2020 and 16% in 2021. Um, it, by the way, it is really weird. Defining a fly ball is a very strange thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so, funky. you know, it's so like between a line drive and a fly ball where that actually lands is weird. Just so you guys are seeing like, Hey, maybe it's slightly different. Yeah. That's just weird. Anyway, I, I, I think that Arenola is still going to be very good. I think he's going to go for many, many innings. I think even in the bad year, he had 100, 100, a 112 whip, which is excellent. Um, he also fanned 100, uh, nope, that's not the number, 223 batters, which is excellent. Like, and yeah, oh. I don't expect an ERA over four, but I'm not expecting like a 3-2 ERA or something as you reacted to something. I just got a great idea. 
Okay. The person with the fewest amount of whiffs uh-huh. every night yeah. should get the only fanned award on Pitcher List the next morning. That's the worst. I'm not doing that. Why? How is that any worse than any of your puns? What, the guy I only fanned. I don't want to make a pun about only fans fast. He only fanned one. That's great. That's good stuff, Nick. I'm giving you gold, <laughs> Jerry. Gold. Um, do you think that anything, the, wow. the drop in the in the ground ball you, rate has to come in? What? We didn't even acknowledge the best joke of the entire top 200, which was the Zach Willier thing. Which one? The compliment, the compliment. Oh, yeah. And the compliment to the compliment <laughs> of the compliment. Isn't that what you sent me? A, yeah, a I was job. I was so proud of it. It was really. It was. I think. I think people. I think OnlyFans is going to get a lot more traction. That's than a you really want. good gonna... joke. Fast. It's just I can't. Okay. I can't endorse that. I'll do and it. I already I'll have. Like I already have. How am I going to be uh, butter my bread with this for like no? <laughs> That's true. Uh, so I, the one thing I'll say about the ground ball is it seems like it came with this all of a sudden four seam change, right? The four seam usage being the highest of his career, um, and he stopped throwing the change. No surprise there. You know, generally when you throw uh, more four seamers, you're going to get more fly balls. More fly balls. I didn't realize, honestly, through his career, how low his sinker usage was. It was only 12%, really. And it seems like the predominant pitch for the for the ground balls was the changeup, which he also dropped. So it right. it wouldn't surprise. This is why I'm saying it seems like there's an organizational change. This is the first year too with that guy mm. from driveline. Oh, I right? love it fast as much as I love that you're pushing me to think more about the pitching coach stuff. And it, it, I mean, it's true. I there's there's or, there's different organizational mentalities, and all of a sudden yeah. he becomes a fly ball pitcher. Let's see if we can talk to people about that. I'm curious, yeah, but we're gonna move yeah, forward. The, yeah, there's a reason why we call you Alex Think Fast. You know. I'm not talking about Jack Flaherty anymore. We've talked about him a billion times. Mm. I'm giving you 15 seconds. Go. Okay. Jack Flaherty is really dope. Um, Yes, there's an injury concern of this past year. Uh, But honestly, he had COVID. You know, the COVID situation in 2020 was amazing. The end of 2019. It's never not really been amazing since. Uh, I don't see why he doesn't go like 180 innings plus again, barring health. But health is like a weird thing with everybody. He came back in relief as Carlos like, yeah, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. I mean, yeah, I am concerned about Bieber. I'm a, if there were no injury concerns whatsoever with Flaherty. Honestly, you could say like he's number 10. Uh, so I think you're going to get just an absolute rock in the best defense, like St. Louis defense. Great. The BABIP is always going to be low because it's the Cardinals. So here's so where my transition it. to the thing I wanted to talk about with Jack Flaherty, yeah. which is I was thinking about that. And then this led to a little Twitter feed that I thought was interesting. And I wanted to get your thoughts on. Okay. W- will we see a boost in defense across the national league because of the introduction to the DH? And as a result, which pitchers could theoretically benefit from it most? So, cause what I was thinking is, well, who's playing shortstop in, in, um, St. Louis. And now it's Edmundo Sousa, who's the better defender because Paul DeJong, who's also very good at defense, is now their DH. Um, And I'm curious to see who, because now you can take your worst defender at first, or if you have a crappy defender at short. Fast, you're saying the thing I want to hear, which is essentially, oh, if we're saying that team defense, sorry, that that NL pitchers are going to be worse because there's a new DH, well, they're going to get better defense, so it will nullify itself. Theoretically could. That would make me really happy because I've kind of just ignored it. (laughs) Yeah. That's, it really uh, could maybe irresponsibly ignored it, but that that's a really great point. Yeah, and all defenses should be better theoretically if there's a DH. 
I mean, I asked people online who they thought the teams that most benefited were, and they all had great points. If Atlanta could theoretically benefit from it, he, uh, Dansby Swanson, he might not be the DH, but guys like Jorge Soler might not need to be in right field anymore. Yeah, sure. uh, the, the Reds could theoretically benefit from it because guys like Winker don't need to be in right field. Whoever signs Castellanos doesn't need to worry about it anymore. The Phillies have not had very good defense, so no. they could theoretically benefit oh, from please. it. So, <laughs> so there you go. All very interesting yeah. stuff. Now we have four thing, more guys. You know, it's just like Ray Ardonia as he comes in. And all of a sudden, it's as if the DH never existed, right? <laughs> the, the next thing I want to talk about is number 17 on your list. Do we not give Max Fried enough credit for having the best ERA in baseball in the second half? Well, yeah, after he came back from the hamstring injury, a two, three, four ERA since the beginning of May. I Led mean, baseball. It's, it's uh, now the problem is that for the year is a 24% strikeout rate. And it's the yeah, only that reason why I don't have him higher. I actually originally had him, I think, at 11. Um, and I sat there and I thought, you know what? I'm expecting too much out of the development of the slider and the curveball to uh, to put him this high. I think that's possible. I think there is a really nice ceiling to be had here of like 200 innings. And if if that slider does really turn into that whiff pitch... Uh, that we saw for a moment when he first came up, but he hasn't gone over the 17% swing strike rate hump quite yet. Hasn't gone over the 30% one in the last three years. You know, it's just the last three years. That's how long he's been here. I, uh, it's, uh, I want it to be there, but we haven't yet. And it's not as clear as like Alcantara who had a 24% strike every last year, but then went up, went berserk when he introduced the slider more. And that was amazing. I haven't seen it yet from Freed, but if he does, like if Freed is like a 28% strikeout pitcher over 180, 190 innings, uh, I mean, he's like seventh on the list or something. Mm. I mean, it's kind of crazy. And if you want to talk about floor with ratios, you should be thrilled. 109 whip the past two years each. Uh, 225 year rate in 2020, 304 last year. It's it, he. I think he's just fantastic. I think the playoff tax, I thought the playoff tax would actually affect him more. His pitches per game went up to 91 last year from 81 and 80 the previous two years. Uh, about six innings per start last year that could even go higher. Sign give me, me give me a good, real quick, give me a good pairing that is a high upside, scary ratio guy that could go with Freed and make him kind of a complete, perfect dude. Oh, man. I always, I don't know how I always feel about, about these pairs. There's, I, I want to try and articulate this right. I I don't I don't have the brain flow that you have right now, so I <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm getting at is like I don't when it comes to pairing guys in general I feel that there's always just a better one you never want to take one side of the coin and then the other side it later generally there's just one side of the coin that is always better is how I often feel but if you want to say okay a higher ratio with with better ratios without the same strikeout volume and you want to maybe adjust. Um, I need to think about it for a second, but I mean, my first instinct was something like Freddie Peralta. This first guy I thought of. Um, but I, uh, yeah, let's just go with that for now. I wonder sure if maybe a, sh- maybe Manoa. Manoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's very funny. I, I just, I absolutely adore Alec Manoa. I know you're, you're a big Manoa boy. Um, are you a big Chris Sale boy at number 18? I I'm scared fast and I, can you you know I'm sorry end you're of so podcast. Far away. <laughs> um, wait, someone else just said this is why they call it the murder room. Did you say that? I don't. 
I Are there comments voice. happening right now? No, no. Okay. Um, Chris Sale uh, was not the man that we remember. Uh, and I think we need to kind of realize that he's not going to be chucking it at upper 90s every so often anymore. Uh, we saw like 93 or so, 94, when he was hurt. And we all knew he was hurt in 2019. And eventually he stopped that season in like August or July and got Tommy John came back and he matched that velocity at 93.7 on the fastball but in previous years that 95 in 2018 and i'm i'm scared i'm scared that yeah he's just not as efficient and not quite there uh the slider is still good but it wasn't this oh my god 41 percent csw pitch that it was in his prime and the changeup was dramatically worse in csw 24.5 percent instead of the 40 percent marks he used to have Mm. That's that's uh, I don't know if I like that. He got it got crushed last year across the twenty percent usage. Uh, 40, 447 average. I'm saying four hundred. Yeah, four hundred forty-seven I... with an expected woba of uh, with a woba expected woba four fifteen and a woba four seventy-seven. That's not going to change up, Chris Sale. Th- you can say that you can make this argument for a lot of players, but if you had to pick one. I want. I really think Chris Sale might be the person to make or break a, a lot of teams this year, mm. right? Because if you're like, I'm believing in Chris Sale, I'm taking him. If you, if you're paying that price, and he doesn't perform the way you need him to, I mean, again, you can make this argument for anyone inside of the top twenty, but like, I don't know. I, I guess you yeah, can also. Well, that's this, the thing. It's risky. It's super it's risky. That was the other thing guys. that I actually forgot to bring up about Nola too. Nola's price does not reflect a four ERA. Right. People, the market well, in NFBC yeah. right now is not concerned. Yeah. He's going yeah. ahead of Giolito. I think he's going ahead of Alcantara, maybe? He is. He's going one pitcher ahead of Alcantara. That's, guys, like, don't make me choose between my children, but go for the one that has been just dominant lately. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. You know? it, but that, that was kind of crazy to me. You, you already brought him up as a guy who could, in theory, be a good pairing with uh, Max Fried. And here we are at number 19, Mr. Crossbody Boy himself. Yeah, there you go. I, Freddie Peralta. Now, just to put a pin on Chris Sale because I wanted to make one more point. He's got enough pins there. There it is. Uh, 4.7 innings per game last year with 81 pitches per game. You can say, oh, he's come back from Tommy John. Very understandable. Yeah. Uh, I still don't think, you know, it wasn't like he threw a lot in the beginning or little in the beginning and then not at all. Actually, the first start he had 89, which was the second highest amount of pitches he had in any start. Um, and I was at that game at 16 to 2 romping of some team in Baltimore. Um, and, We're the only uh, team in Baltimore. I was there, man. I, I I I gave a standing ovation with two strikes and two outs in the first, and no one else did because it was like ninety five degrees out. And I didn't care. Inside of Fenway Park, it was a cool moment. Wait, anyway, hold on. You said he had a four point seven IPS. Yes. I mean, he reached the fifth in every start, but two. Well, there was a three points. Yeah, but he's no. He had five innings on the dot. Every start, yeah, like a lot of starts, and they had two point one, he had three point two, and that's yeah. bringing that down. And he had one of six, yeah. That's why it's a four point seven, the four and two thirds, right? That's why it's a. But yeah, I'm just uh, these are numbers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of our new podcast. Uh, okay, Freddie right. Peralta. Peralta. Yeah, Freddie Peralta. Look at us getting under forty minutes. Um, it's worth forty eight. I really love that awesome ad segue you did before. By the way, you, oh, we didn't hey, just hey. Like, throw. We didn't just throw the ad randomly at some crazy point, right? 
Hey guys, welcome back. Hey, what's up? What's up? Welcome, welcome back, back from the ad break. <laughs> I'm not doing it now. I'm actually just going to do it randomly before. Anyway, Freddie Peralta, um, absurdly good last year, right? 281 ERA, 0.97 whip, blah, blah, blah. You know how good he is. Uh, the, the question is, now it's 144 innings. Was last year, is Peralta going to go 170 or so? I think he could. Um, but think of, you know, think of being camp counseled in some way. Again, it was a 5.1 innings per game with 84 pitches per game last year for, for Peralta. Right. And that wasn't necessarily them completely babying him. You know, sure. The first start, he only got 53 pitches, but I, uh, after that, he essentially had the, the reins come off, you know, I, uh, they, then, I mean, actually that's not fair. That, that is absolutely not fair. They were limiting him. I remember there was really weird yeah. in, in, in August. I take that a lot of that back. Um, I will say that how Peralta pitches with a 9.5% walk rate, actually 9.7, he is a little wild. And that's because of the cross-body movement or delivery, that's... rather. The slider only had a 61% strike rate, and that was thrown a quarter of the time. The four-seamer, 66, which is good, but it's not... If you have secondaries that don't really hit like 65% strikes, you're going to struggle to get strikes. It's just kind of how it is. It's always been the thing with Peralta, but he's just so unhittable. I mean, that yeah. fastball had a 164 batting average allowed. You know, the X was a 299. Like, mm. it's, it's not and 270 on that one. You're, you're talking about Lance Lynn's being amazing. Uh, it, it's just so good. And that slider was really good as well. Um, 33% CSW on that. It's stupid hard to hit. An X average of 183. I mean, all right. Mm. Uh, so I, I think he's going to be overall effective. It's just I don't necessarily think he's going to push like 180, 185 innings because he's going to walk too many guys, and that's going to make him throw more pitches. And on the younger side, I think he'll get camp counseled, all that stuff. So kind of think like 167, kind of like Corbin Burns at if we're lucky with Peralta. That's kind of yeah. People 10 percent walk rate with a 230 BABIP. A 230 yeah. Babbitt is scary. And I, I don't even know if I want to compare it to the 270 because with the he seemed to make some tweaks and be sort of a different pitcher. But just a 10%, a 10% walk rate with a 47% fly ball rate and a 230 Babbitt just kind of speaks a lot of ERA regression to me. Yeah. Okay. So the league average of hard hit over PA percentage was 27%. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. For a pitcher. This is, by the way, our league averages are over the top 200 starting pitchers in plate appearances. Great. Okay? So it's better than, like, qualified or something. It's actually, like, relevant for fantasy. Uh, Brandon sure. Ludberg and I had a lot of conversations about it, and he was saying, yeah, for fantasy, like, what ma- matters most? I'm like, this is, you're exactly right. Freddie Peralta, so 27% had hard hit over PA. He had a 17.1, ranking first in the majors. Okay. That's kind of wild. So you see that Babbitt of 230. His expected Babbitt was 260. Mm. This guy is super hard to hit. It's just it's just really, really hard to hit him. And I don't know if that changes. Mm. So the reason I'm having him at 18 is like, look, I, I don't think I'm going to get the same volume. But I think the quality of inning is still going to be really good. He's going to get some walks. The whip is probably not going to be sub one. But I don't think it's going to – I think his his hip or nine at a 5.2 last year, sure, maybe like a 6.5 or something. But he's really, really hard to hit, and that's going to stay that way. Oof, God. That is that is insane. Just looking at his other numbers. Is, he's good. Very good. Um, Very good. The last guy we want to talk about, number 20, uh, 
he didn't throw a perfect game like John Means did, but he had one of the first. <laughs> I'm catching you this time. No, I loved it. One, one right. of the was it? It was oh, the first no hitter in San Diego Padres history, if I remember correctly. Right? Uh, Not in a long time. Yes. It was in history. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Uh, and that's Phil's call saying that. Yeah. Joe Musgrove. I, I want you to talk to me a little bit through about why Peralta over Musgrove because, in theory, Musgrove has the better. F- floor right yes. but Peralta's yeah, ceiling does. would be yeah. higher so talk to me about that difference of floor and ceiling with those two and what led to Musgrove after Peralta I think it's kind of weird to say after a 318 season and a one a 318 year and a 108 whip and 27 percent K rate over 181 innings that I don't think that Musgrove is like a finished product yet uh, I think he's still figuring out his approach there are a lot of times that he's trying to figure out how many sliders should be thrown or curveballs and when should I get my fastballs in. And uh, there's that cutter that allows home runs and it's, he tries to get sneaking in for strikes and it doesn't always quite work. And I think there's still a lot to figure out with Musgrove. Um, and after that no hitter, he actually needed some time to kind of get better again, which is sure. understandable. And sometimes why I don't look root for no hitters. Cause I'm like, no, yeah. you're overexerting. It's you know I remember that time Tyson Ross threw like 150 pitches chasing a no hitter and like killed his career in front of us. I was like, no, you're killing him. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> but uh, but Musgrove, I mean, between him and Peralta, Peralta first in hard hit per PA and Musgrove 48th, 24 percent instead of 17 percent, right? And I think that's an indication. Like, right, Musgrove is still kind of hittable. Um, doesn't walk guys though. And 7% walk rate, still going to get a lot of strikeouts, going to be over 25%. And the Padres are going to certainly use him a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, they saw it last year, like, all right, we need to make sure the guys would pitch a lot. And I love the fact that he threw more pitches per game, 91. That's good. Uh, getting close to six IPS um, innings per start. I, I think there's a lot to like about Joe Musgrove, and it might shock a lot of people that I have him at 20 as opposed to like, a couple other guys. I actually surprised myself doing that, but... Mm. 181 innings last year like I think that that can be replicated and you know 200 strikeouts last year I think it's all really just great his slider and curveball are just so good fast I know that it's I know slider uh curveball 36 percent it's it's nuts I think personally for me the innings pitch gives him a little bit of the edge over Peralta Mm -hmm. because while Peralta gives you more strikeouts on a K percentage basis overall Musgrove does because he's in all likelihood going to go 20 to 25 innings more than Peralta. Sure. Right. Um, well, I mean, I don't but, know yeah, that's it, 20 to 25 innings more. I don't know. It, it might just be like 10. I don't know. I, I really think for Peralta, it, like it's give him a full 32 starts or so. Maybe he gets slightly better on his walk rate. Mm-hmm. There you go. It wouldn't well, surprise thanks. me if Peralta went 160 and Musgrove went 180, 190. It, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that would suck. I wouldn't want 160. I want more than that from Peralta. Yeah, uh, subjective. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> Nick, what? we did it. We got oh. through 11 through 20. We did it in under an hour. Yay. Uh, any any final parting words before we, we adjourn? Um, I hope you guys enjoy the site. Seriously. Uh, yes. You know, obviously, let us know of any kind of stuff that you think is off or looking weird. We're all fixing it. We want to make sure this is great. But, I mean, seriously, the site is... A representation of all of you listening um, and everybody supporting it. Seriously, like, thank you. I dreamed of this eight years ago um, after making a site of just like one GIF and here are two stats of a pitch. Now there's this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only possible because of everybody, you know, signing up for PL Plus and listening to these podcasts and staying engaged with us. So, really, thank you so much. We're excited to just keep building on top of these. 
Enjoy Check out those player pages. Do it. Check out those player pages. They're amazing. All right. That's going to do it for episode number 303 of On the Corner, the official wow. PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. I'm Nick Pollock, who's just Jesus, stunned by the rolling R that I am so jealous of. And we'll talk to you guys next week.